Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Over the last number of weeks, we have looked at our core values. We have determined that if we are to be the kind of people that God wants us to be, we must understand the why. And we have looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, because it gives to us the foundation for the early church, the core values. Read it with me this morning, will you please? We'll start with a reference, we'll read the verse, and then we will finish with the reference. Here we go, Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, Acts 2, 42. Now, as we looked at this, we understood that it starts with the apostles' teaching, a commitment to the Word of God. That gives to us an awesome faith, a faith that allows us to live out the truth of God in a corrupt culture, in a culture that's lost in darkness and needs to know the one who is the light of the world. There is nothing better than recognizing that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for our lives, for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that we might be complete, truly furnished unto all good works, and that's why we are saved, right? For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. Verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk therein. And it all starts with a commitment to the Word of God. But not only is there a commitment to the Word of God, there's also our relationship together. The fellowship, the family of God. And it is that relationship that gives to us an authentic faith. Living it out one before another. Getting real. Failings, fallings struggles, difficulties, trials, being real, it's authentic, it works. And I am so thankful that we can depend upon an authentic faith to be lived out within the family of God. Amen? We also are to remember and reach out. They had the breaking of bread. They practiced the understanding of the given body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We did that last week. They understood that it was not only remembering what God had done for them as they received Christ as personal Savior and they experienced God's grace, but it was also living that truth out and reaching to those. By this we proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ until he comes to take us home. And that is an active faith. A faith that is alive, a faith that works. This morning, we're going to look at the last core value. And that last core value is entrusting our lives to God. The text says they continued steadfastly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. Entrusting our lives to God recognizing that we can give ourselves to him and allow him to work in us and through us for his own good pleasure. That provides for us the wonder of an assured 
as we trust God. Disciples met with the Lord Jesus Christ on one occasion, and he said, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. 1 Thessalonians tells us, in everything by prayer and thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. James tells us, we have not because we ask not. And I think it interesting, in the early church, the first thing that they did after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ was they got together and they prayed. Turn back to chapter 1, will you please? I want you to see this. Acts chapter 1. Look with me at verse 14. All these were with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now, we didn't take the time to read the first part of the book of Acts, but it's the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. The angel says, why ye stand gazing up into heaven? This same Lord who is ye seen going to heaven will so come. In like manner. And what did they do following that event? They got together and they prayed. And they recognized that they needed the assurance of an authority in their life. They needed to entrust their lives to a solemn God. I found this quote this past week. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work in our lives. This morning I want us to think about prayer. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with prayer. I have a difficult time concentrating on being in the presence of God. My my mind wanders And I think about all these other things that are out there, and sometimes they become distractions in my life. But prayer is so very important in our lives if we're going to entrust ourselves to God, and we are going to recognize that God has given to us an assured faith together. So let's look at prayer this morning. Now, just so you know what's coming. We are going to close our service a little bit differently today. Toward the end of this hour, I'm going to have our ushers pass out to you three-by-five cards. And I'm going to give you some prayer requests that I want you to write down. And I want you to take them with you, and I want you this week to pray about those things. All right? So we're going to work our way through this passage of Scripture. We're going to look at prayer, and then we're going to try to practically put it into practice in our lives. Prayer. Prayer begins with the power of God. And we understand that prayer gives to us the opportunity to trust God for all of the needs in our lives. You know the Lord Jesus Christ practiced prayer. Mark's gospel tells us that early in the morning, a long while before daylight, he went out, Jesus went out into a solitary place, and there he prayed. As you look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he fed the the 5,000, he prayed. When he fed the 4,000, he prayed. 
When Lazarus came forth from the dead, he prayed. He prayed the Father that we would have another comforter, even the spirit of truth. He prayed in the garden. He prayed on the cross. And if you want to read the Lord's Prayer, go to John chapter 17. Because it was there where he committed his life to the Lord. In Luke chapter 18, he told a parable. A parable about a persistent widow who went back time and time and time again. And then he said, men ought always to pray and not lose Jesus told us to pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Everyone who asks receive and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks it is open unto them. And Jesus said, Until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Prayer gives to us the power of God in our lives. Somebody wrote, fight all your battles on your knees and you will win every." Prayer gives to us the power of God because he then comes into our circumstances and uses his omniscience, his all-knowing, and his omnipotence, his all-power, to use these circumstances for our good and his glory. You cannot tap the power of God without Max Licato said, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I want you to know something about the power of God. Not only do we see that prayer is the power of God, but through prayer, God recognizes our needs. Jesus said, our Heavenly Father knows what we have need of even before we ask. But God knows our needs. You remember how Jesus told us to pray in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, don't stand on the street corners like the hypocrites do. Don't go into the temples and and lift your arms and have vain repetitions like the hypocrites do. But when you pray, enter your closet. And when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who sees in secret and will reward you openly. Can I ask you a question this morning? What do you keep in your closet? What's in your closet? If you come to my house and go to my closet, you're going to find all my junk. 
We used to, when people came to our, our home, we have a closet right inside the front door. We, we used to, if they were wearing coats, take their coats and, and hang them in that closet. Now we take their coats and put them on the bed because the closet's full of junk. I want you to be assured that God recognizes all the junk in our lives. God knows our needs. And prayer allows us to open up our lives to a sovereign God who is able to meet all of our needs. Remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4? My God shall supply all your according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Huh? But not only does it allow us to see that God recognizes a need, it also allows us to recognize our needs and give them to God. We live in a world, and I used this during the first, during our Sunday school hour. We, we live in a world that has a number of different attitudes toward life. There's the fatalist. The fatalist who says, what happens is inevitable and unalterable, so why fight it? Que sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. Just suck it up and deal with it. Somebody sent me a text this past week. Said, today you're going to have a problem, so suck it up. I'm glad there was not a follow-up text that gave me a problem. But that's the attitude of a lot of people, isn't it? Suck it up. Don't fight it. It happens. There's the stoic. Buck up. When you got a problem, when you got a difficulty, when you have a need... Just buck up and bring it on. No pain, no gain. Come on, I can handle it. Whatever you have to throw at me, I'll deal with it. Epicureans say this. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. (laughs) You ever know anybody like that? I mean, so naive, they have no clue what's going on. But for the Christian, the Christian can embrace the struggles because God has a plan. And our God recognizes whatever needs we have in our lives as we present them to God. Isn't that great? And I am so thankful that prayer allows us that opportunity to present our requests before God. James writes this, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. God recognizes our needs. Prayer also helps us understand an authority in our lives. Because we are bringing our struggles to a God who can handle it. When I was a kid, I thought my dad could handle anything. And when I started to struggle with stuff, I'd always go to dad. 
I have since learned he wasn't as smart as I thought he was. Of course, my kids have learned the same thing about me. But I recognize that there was someone who could handle things a whole lot better than I could. And when we pray, we recognize that there is an authority in our life. And that we can trust that authority. You remember what the disciples did when they were in trouble? When there are too many people to feed, just a few fish and a few loaves. They went to the one who had the authority. And he prayed and 5,000 were fed. When the seas were too rough, they went to one who had the authority. Said, Master, don't you care that we perish? He calmed the seas. When they couldn't deal with the epileptic boy, when their problems were too great, they went to the one who could cast out the demons, and the boy was healed. Scripture tells us if we lack wisdom, we can ask of God, and he gives it to us. But we must ask in faith without wavering. For he that wavers, this is all James chapter 1, is like the waves of the sea. They're just tossed to and fro. No stability. But ask in faith. Because God has an authoritative control over everything in our and that's what prayer does. It brings us to the authority in our lives. Prayer also helps our heart yearn for his presence. Heart after God. A number of weeks ago, in prayer meeting on Wednesday night, somebody said, do you know God's phone number? Jeremiah 33.3 was the answer. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. As the deer pants for the water, so my heart pants for you, David said in the Psalms. I ask you to pray for my Connie as she's gone. I should have asked you to pray for me. Connie left last Monday and thought she would come home tomorrow, and she called last night and she said, Tom, I don't know what to do. Explain the situation about her mom. And said, I really don't want to stay, but I've got to. I miss Connie. All the laundry's done. All the dishes are done. I even fried hamburgers yesterday. When she called last night, I said, Honey, how do I clean your stove? (laughs) 
but after almost 45 years of marriage, we like being together. You like being in the presence of God? You enjoy His company? You take time to share with Him even when you're not asking for something? Do you count your blessings? When upon life's billows we are tempest-tossed, been there? When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Yes, Lord. Oh, stop it. Walgreens is calling me. Yeah, just a reminder. I can't wait to be here on Sunday just to be with you guys. I love you. Thank you. But more than that, I can't wait to talk to God. And I don't have to. I don't have to get in line. I don't have to dial an area code. I don't have to wait for an answering machine. I can pray anytime I want. And you know what? God even accepts prayer at 3 a.m. I know that because I talked to him this morning at 3 a.m. Prayer teaches us that we ought to yearn for his presence. Prayer also helps us entrust our lives to God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Psalm 37 says, commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. 1 John chapter 5, and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Can you trust God? Can you trust God when things are going good? Can you trust God when things aren't? Can you trust God when you know what to do? Can you trust God when you don't? Can you trust God when you struggle? with other people. Can you trust God when you're struggling with our culture? Sure you can. And you can entrust your lives to God. Prayer also gives to us real growth. 
Are you still in Acts chapter 2? This has been kind of a topical message. We just kind of bounced out of Acts 2.42. But I want you to look at the last part of verse 47. If I had been putting the verse order in, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I would have started it with the and. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know why he did that? I believe because of prayer. Now, certainly, it was because they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Certainly, it was because of the family that was evidenced in their lives. Certainly, the breaking of bread as they remembered and then reached out to those around. But I believe it was prayer that really impacted their growth was visible. In Acts 2.41, there were 3,000 souls that were added. Here in verse 47, the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. Acts 4.4 said that there were 5,000 souls added. And in Acts 5.14, more than ever believers were added to the family. That's visible. But not only was the growth visible, it was also full of vitality. Acts 4 tells us that they had great boldness. In Acts chapter 6, they chose seven who would minister to those who had needs. In Acts 7, Stephen was stoned and he prayed. In Acts 9, Saul, Paul, prayed. You want vitality? Pray. And that growth was victorious. Remember Acts chapter 10? Peter sees this sheet coming down. He's hungry. Here's a voice says, rise and eat. And Peter says, not me, Lord. That stuff's unclean. And God said, that which I have made clean, don't you call unclean. And Peter went out and preached the gospel to the Gentiles. That's victory. In Acts chapter 13, the church prayed and sent out Barnabas and Saul. Solomon in dedicating the temple says this, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If we want our sins forgiven, we better pray. If we want our land healed, we better pray. If my people, which are called by my name. I said I wanted to make this a practical message. And so I'm going to ask our ushers at this point, Steve, where are you, please, ushers, please. Our ushers have three-by-five cards. I want everybody to have one this morning. Will you please take a three-by-five card if you didn't get one? Some of you have them already. That's great. Hold up your hands. We have enough for everybody. Make sure you get a three-by-five card. Pull out a pen from someplace, will you please? Brenda, can you very quickly animate the next slide?
that one? It's all right. It's all right. No problem. All right. Here are your requests. I want you to pray for people. The P is people. Saved and unsaved people. If you don't have an unsaved person that you're praying for, you need to get one. If you don't have an unsaved friend that you're witnessing to, you need to get one. If you don't have an unsaved individual that you're trying to build into their lives, you need to get one. And we need to pray for people. You know, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for people. No, he died for you, he died for me, amen? But if that's true, and it is, we need to pray for the people around us, saved and unsaved. Because people need prayer. I am so encouraged when people come up to me and say, I pray for you. Some of you have said, I pray for you every day. You know, that's good for both of us. I need the prayer. You need the practice. It's good for both of us. Thank you. But you and I need to pray for people. We need to pray for revival. We need to pray for revival. Now, what is revival? It is a stirring in our lives for the things of God. And we need to pray that revival would start in each of our lives and that it would start at Calvary Baptist Church. And that God would stir us and bring us to the place where we are seeking His face with all of our hearts. Remember how Jesus told us to love the Lord our God? All of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our might. Do you know if that took place here at Calvary Baptist Church, we would have revival? We need to be authentic. We live in a world that is plastic banana you ever go into somebody's house and they have a wonderful bowl of fruit you reach out and it's just plastic made out of wax I'm afraid that many times we as Christians have a plastic faith it's not real it's not authentic doesn't work. My dad used to sing, I want to be more than a Sunday go to meeting Christian. I want a religion that serves me every day. Saying amen to the preacher is fine. If all the week I let my light shine, I want to be more than a Sunday go to meeting Christian. We need an authentic, we need to pray about that. 
We need a faith that yields to God's direction. Isn't that how Jesus prayed in the garden? Not my will, but thine be done. One of the things our leadership is working through right now is God's direction for Calvary Baptist Church. Something I'm praying about. Hope you're praying about it. We need to pray that we can engage. Engage in service. Engage in our community. Engage in our society. We need to get connected. With one another. And with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to pray about real growth. Growth that is visible. Growth that is full of vitality and growth that is victorious. Will you take those cards, please, and pray this week? Core value. It's how the early church accomplished what God wanted for them. And either prayer works or it doesn't. But if we pray, we better pray by faith. And if we pray by faith, we can say to that mountain, be moved, and it will. Prayer works. And the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. King James avails much.